everybody, and welcome again to Submitting for Your Approval, a Twilight Zone podcast. And with me today, again, I have my friend. I call him my friend now, Mr. Steve Gronert Ellerhoff. Hello, sir. Hello, my friend. How are you, my friend? My friend, I am doing good, my friend. That's fantastic. <laughs> how the how the hell are you, my friend? Oh, I'm I'm dandy. Um, I'm I'm super excited to be talking about the episode we're talking about today because i think i think it's my favorite of all time i uh, I, of the twilight zone absolutely and of almost probably almost anything so i'm very happy to be here and thank you for having me back no no problem i know i know it took us uh uh pretty much the entire season to get you back on the the show but but this is this is for your favorite episode of anything of all time that's right And, and that includes uh family friends yeah um yeah everything albums <laughs> movies <laughs> yeah you know um career moves all of that this is it this is this is this is it um what, what have you been up to uh since since we last talked um well i've been <laughs> uh i've been working on uh co-editing this book about george saunders oh, yes. uh, short story writer so I've been getting all the copyright permissions ready, um, which is a bit of a process, but you know, you got to make sure that credit uh, goes where it's due. So, um, so yeah, so I've been going through all of his books and, and highlighting things and getting them ready to send off. And hopefully this book about George Saunders will get a lot more people interested in him. And, and, um, I mean, a lot of people already are, but hopefully it will show that, you know, he's worth studying, worth reading right, and all that. Right. So that's that's been one of my primary focuses lately. Um, what it, what is the the timeline on that? Like what like? Well, so uh, I've got we've we have a publisher. Um, I'm co-editing it with uh, Philip Coleman, who's a professor of English at Trinity College Dublin, and he was my PhD supervisor as well. So right. he and I need to get the final manuscript to the publisher. Uh, by the beginning of September, so um, so we're 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 doing it, you know. Cool. Uh, hopefully, early 2017. This That's book awesome. Out. Yeah. Thank That's you. Awesome. Yeah. We're excited. No, I, I I've I've always heard the the name George Saunders, but I I've never. And I'll I'll freely admit that I don't know his work all that much. He's awesome, and I would say if you love the Twilight Zone, his short stories are very much worth reading because some of them are a lot like Twilight Zone episodes. They would they would fit right in. Um, and they've he's been uh, his first collection came out in 1996, his most recent collection came out in 2012, 2013, 2012. And um, uh, you know, the the topics that he covers, the um, there's all there's oftentimes some kind of science fiction element um, or uh, you know, in one, there's a, a story called Sea Oak, uh, where this uh, these characters' aunt she dies, she ends up coming back from the dead as a zombie, and they they find her in her old armchair, and she's kind of rotting a bit, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And and she's just telling them, she's like, "Listen, like I'm I I'm back from the dead, and and look, I lived it all wrong the first time around, you know. I I I would never did anything wrong, and I got nothing in life. So you listen, you kids need to do this, that, and the other. And 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 while she's saying this, you know, like her her arm is falling off, or like, 
<laughs> she eventually just sort of falls into a bunch of pieces on the on the floor. But yeah. you know, he's funny, but um, he's also kind of unsettling in a in a real Twilight Zone kind of way. So um, so he can mix those those bits that that many of us love about the Twilight Zone. Right. Um, so yeah, I would recommend him um, to this listenership. Right. Definitely. All right, you heard it. You heard it, ladies and gents. George Saunders, go, go Absolutely. now. Well, well, give us like twenty, thirty minutes, then go. Yeah, yeah, please. Or, or if you're listening to this and like on the internet at the same time, then then I mean, I guess you could look it up. <laughs> but I mean, as long as you're you're listening, I guess really that's that's really... that's right. Yeah, <laughs> please keep listening to us. Don't abandon us yet. Don't don't stop. Don't stop. George, George Saunders, though, but yeah. don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, I think it's time. I think it is time for us to get into the the gist, the meats and potatoes of this, the the four star banquet, um, and whatever other idioms you want for this. Uh, we're talking about episode thirty, a stop at Willoughby, originally aired May sixth, nineteen sixty, starring James Daly as Gart Williams. God. Gart. Good old Gart. Wayne and Gart. <laughs> Party on, Gart. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, we have Patricia Donahue as uh, as Gart's wife. Is that Janie? Yes. Yeah. Oh, gish. Yeah. Gish. I, I said gish. I don't know if that's a thing. That's the first <laughs> I time I've ever I'm said that. I'm going to start saying that. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know quite what it means, but uh, but yeah. That's so gish. Yeah, it it fits. It fits Janie in this episode. She is totally gish. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by Robert Parrish, who directed uh, One for the Angels, uh, and a teleplay by Rod Serling. So, without without further ado, uh, so we we start this episode. He we meet a Gart Williams, and actually he's sitting inside an office uh, in like a meeting room. Just, just tapping a, a pencil on his on his hand. Um, clearly, his boss at the head of the table is getting kind of irritated, and Gart is waiting for something to happen. Uh, so it turns out he is an ad executive, and he was waiting for his young protege to show up uh, with with an account. and And his boss isn't happy about this. He's like, Gart, we we're waiting, we're waiting. Uh, the yeah. and there are other there are other dudes sitting around too yeah. around the table and they're all just like in that zone where they're like uh. <laughs> yeah and I want to start off by saying I've been in meeting rooms like that where I'm just like oh god although like I'm tapping the 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 pencil on my hand because I'm like I'm so bored and this meeting should have ended two hours ago <laughs> that's uh, and and really the only difference is I'm usually doodling after like I have an hour period. If it gets to the hour mark, I just start doodling. In the it's time pocket. to start drawing. Exactly right. Uh, so anyway, so Gart goes over the phone. And he calls up a secretary. He's like, hey, where is this guy? And she doesn't know. And then she comes up to the, to the door with a note, actually, from this, this fella. And the note says that, hey, um, something, uh, I, I'm resigning. I'm taking this huge account with me. His boss finds this out and is just so, so mad. And he's like, you messed up, Gart. You know? You gotta push, 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 gotta, push, push, you push, 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 <laughs> with like so, close-up so shots intense. of his yeah. mouth going like push, 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 push. 
Yeah, it's it, it's like Ren and Stimpy, where like they they zoom into the inside of the mouth. And it's like, yeah, yeah, push, push, push. Uh, and so this this pushes Gart to his breaking point, and he says, "Shut up, fat boy," or "Fat boy, shut your mouth," and and he, and he runs out. He runs out of the office. Yeah. Um, and so he he goes. He gets on a train to his house, which is um in Westport. Well, he right? he. Before he does that, his there's the part where his secretary is all like, you know, like, can I get you anything or whatever? And he's all like, yeah, a sharp razor and a chart of human anatomy, <laughs> so, which is like, whoa, like right up front. Like, yeah, I mean, there's like suicide right up front. Like is well, that's the thing is, is he threatening suicide or is he threatening to slice his boss's throat? Well, yeah, that's a good that's that's a good that's a good question. Right. Right. It, it could it could be both. But we'll it see. could be. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, yeah. We'll see. Keep watching. Uh, keep watching. Keep listening to find out. Uh, so, he, so he hops on a train to his house over in Westport. And uh, while there, he, he, he falls asleep. And when he wakes up, and he's on a different train, and he gets stopped by a voice that says, Willoughby, Willoughby, next stop, Willoughby. Uh, and, it, and it's... You know, on the on the train ride originally, before he fell asleep, you know, it's snowing outside, it's dark. Uh, there's just a bunch of people in there who don't care about him or or what he's doing there. But when he wakes up at the stop at Willoughby. Yeah. Outside, it's it's sunny. There are kids. Well, yeah. Run around. The um, the train itself is antique. Yeah. Too. And yeah. then yeah, and like outside, there's like people on hipster bicycles and like, <laughs> like the like giant wheel within the tiny little wheel behind it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it was hipster back then though, but this then again, so ahead of its time, they, um, <laughs> they, they were hipster bikes before they were hipster bikes. Exactly. And they're yeah, like, there's like met a hipster. Exactly. And there's like, yeah, Tom Sawyer and like Huck Finn are there fishing or something like yeah. with their fishing poles <laughs> Paint, painting a fence white or something like that. yeah yeah and super mario is like sitting on the back of a depot bus or something yeah that's that's right that's right that's right yeah and like there's like a there's like a little bandstand area in the middle of the courtyard uh and then the, the conductor shows up you know he's the one who's saying willoughby willoughby um and gart is a little bit confused by this of course he's like willoughby i've never heard of willoughby um and it's it's warm outside and uh, I forget exactly how the exchange goes, but the conductor basically says, um, no, it's July. And Gart's like, no, it's not July. It's the middle of November. Like, no, it's it's July. Summer. It's 1888. Summer. 1888. Willoughby. 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 <laughs> Where a man can live his life full measure. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the famous line. And, and so it's to me, it's a little bit weird that the conductor is like, Hey, Gart, listen to me. It's July, summer, 1888. Willoughby. 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 Man can live his life in full measure. Yeah. Um, and so, so Gart kind of, he, get, he gets up and he looks, um, he looks out the side of the train and then the, the train and Willoughby actually starts up and he's knocked back into the, the, the present or wherever it is, back on that cold train snowing outside. Yeah. Uh, he ha- he asked the the now regular conductor, "Hey, do is there a, do you know is there a Willoughby?" The conductor's like, "Not as far as I know." 
And okay. the, and, the, and he seems he seems to have a relationship with the conductor. Like he's a regular commuter, so he knows this conductor. They've got a friendly rapport with each other, right? Um, which is interesting um, because he's one of the few characters. The the reality conductor is one of the few characters that Gart seems to have a, a decent relationship with. Yeah, yeah, you you're, you're you're right. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good point. Um, because we quickly find out that there's nobody else in this world really that he he relates to or gets along with, uh, yeah. which which we rapidly find out when he actually gets to his house and he meets his he doesn't meet his wife but <laughs> he he touches base with his wife. Yeah, uh, touches base is a nice way to put it. <laughs> oh man, I mean uh, he 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 jumps right into the the emotional manipulation and verbal abuse that he's been enduring for God knows how long is what really happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that basically in a nutshell, that's exactly what it is. His wife is part of the group of people who, who consistently puts Gart down and wants him to be somebody who he's, who he's not really. Um, and, and that's, that's really, so there's an entire scene with him and his wife where they have a lot of dialogue, which, which boils down to Gart's not happy in his life. He's, He's an ad exec, but he doesn't really want to be that. He doesn't care about a fancy house. He doesn't care about hanging out with fancy people. He just wants he just wants something slower. And yeah. that's when he tells her the his braiding wife that the dream he had of this place called Willoughby. Yeah, he opens it up to her. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I, I, it's interesting when he's telling when he's because he sits down. He goes sits down on on a step. That's with, right. With whiskey or whatever, in a in a baller glass, and she sits down, uh, in front of him to listen. But her back Facing is him. to, but her back that's, is to the audience, right? That's right. And she says, "Tell me about your dream, Gart." It's a very, yeah. I mean, if that's not evocative of, um, you know, um, psychoanalysis and and uh, and you know, analytical psychology. Yeah. Um, it, the way it's set up is very interesting. The way they film that with her back to us, you know, yeah. absolutely. It's like, Oh, um, here's an opportunity to, you know, sort of try to find out what's going on, yeah. but she's not a psychiatrist. <laughs> no, she, no. She's something very different. Very, very much so. And, and, and the, the back to the audience is, is very kind of like, like she doesn't actually care. She, she, right. She, she, she's, she's shutting us out. Just as she's shutting out uh, Gart in, in this situation, absolutely. And we so, see his face as he's talking about it yeah. about Willoughby, telling her about what this place. He calls it a crazy dream, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he uh, seems so calm and yeah. He, I mean, he said he says, you know, um, he's just so happy about it. He's got such a serene kind of look on his face as he's describing this to her. To her, um, in of. Then she pretty much says, like, you know what, uh, I don't, this is your problem, Gart, is that you were born at the wrong time, um, and I wish I'd known this before I, that you basically want to, that you basically want to be, your dream is to be Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> yeah, and the way she says that is so, uh, her tone, she goes, like, up on the fin. Yeah. I noticed she goes up on the fence. She's like, I, she's like, my tragic error in my life is that I married a man who wants to be Huckleberry Finn like that. It's, yeah. it's this spiteful, horrible, awful thing that when somebody would say that to you, you know, you'd never unhear that the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, 
exactly the rest of your life yeah so uh <laughs> i'm not i'm not spoiling anything by saying that he gets back on the train the next day back up to new york from westport um and he falls asleep again on, on the the train and actually uh, i think the conductor talks to him first and says hey uh so i looked it up and there's no there's never been a willoughby on this this line uh as far as i know there's not a place that exists called willoughby which is interesting too because it it's again more of this this interesting sort of relationship that he has with this conductor like the guy actually followed up on it you yeah. know like he's he's a nice guy he's another nice guy in this in this world of a lot of people who are not very nice yeah and and he, uh j- just as a contrast to to gart right he kind of even though he's not an ad exec, you know, he's a conductor on a train, he seems to be legitimately enjoying what he's doing in life. He likes his job. Yeah, he's yeah. fine. The guy is fine. Like, yeah. he, he on his off time, he went and looked up information on Willoughby, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, went so, to, he went to the trouble for that. It's, yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that, I think that that's cool. And because it takes place on that train, right? Um, but yeah, so, so Gart goes he falls asleep and he wakes back up in Willoughby and wake, wakes up to the conductor. Willoughby. 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 Um, and he, he decides, you know, he, he gets out, he, he wants to try to get off the train. Um, but the, the train stops, starts moving before he, he can actually get off. Uh, he's yelling for the conductor, conductor, um, the old guy, the old conductor, the creepy one. And he, he, he wakes back up. He wakes back up in, in cold, dark New York yeah. train. Yeah. And he says, and he says next time he's going to get off. I'm going to get off next time at Willoughby. He, he's made that determination, which is very, which is very empowering for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but so, which is a contrast to the next scene where he's, he's actually in his office again. And he's he's on a phone call with um, Mr. Miserel, his his boss, and his his boss is telling him is telling him to push 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 push. This is what push. I need from ad from the ad and this and, yeah. and make sure we put the commercials in the right spots and push push push. And, and he, his his name Miserel is great because it's almost like miserable but like shoved into two syllables. <laughs> miserable, yeah. you know, it's yeah. just. Uh, it's like a Charles Dickens move, the way he would name characters these, you know, strange, funny things yeah. that some, somehow evoke their character. Miserable, Mr. Miserable, you know. Yeah, you, you know, you, you bring that up, and, and as you were bringing it up, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to finish Steve's thought in my head and say, you're absolutely right. It does sound like Miserable. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's a it's a perfect name for this awful CEO. Yeah. Push, push, push. He's like salt and pepper. Yeah. 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 Uh, (laughs) So Gart gets like another phone call and then his secretary comes in and she's like, Mr. Miserable wants to talk to you. And then he gets like another phone call. And so now like they're, you know, the secretary is trying to talk to him. He's got two phones all on the side of his head. And there's like this dissonant kind of noise emanating from the receivers. And that's when he's like, Oh God. Retreats to the bathroom. He's looking at himself in the mirror. He sees miserable Mr. Miserable. Uh, there's a reflection up there in the corner saying push, push, push. And he, he crushes the, the mirror. He's like, okay, I'm done. So he goes back to the phone and he calls up his wife, uh, 
and says, you know, I just need you to stay at home. I need you to stay home. I'm I'm done with this. I can't deal with this. And, and he asked for her help. He asked for he her says, help. Yeah. He says, Will you help me please? Yeah. He just outright asks, you know, yeah. what he needs to ask in that moment. Yeah, and and of course she hangs up the phone like a like a good abuser would. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, she's Yeah. yeah. Um so so he gets back on the he gets back on the train and at first at first chance he gets he goes back to to Willoughby. He goes back to sleep and he goes to Willoughby. And this time he gets off the train pretty much immediately. He puts his uh, little his little uh, man brief, bag. His little man bag, yeah. His little briefcase man bag on the the seat. He doesn't need it anymore. Um he gets out at Willoughby. He's immediately greeted by these two kids. He's like, "Hey, I'll go fishing with you later." And they and, know him. And they know. Him. Yeah, everybody in this town knows him. That's that's you know, it's it's his dream, right? It's his fantasy. And uh, some other people say, hey, Mr. Williams. And so he's walking off into the distance, and the conductor, it, it pans over to him, and he's looking at his wristwatch, just swinging it back and forth. And the image of the wristwatch uh, then fades into an image of a lantern swinging back and forth. Um, and it's now back in New York. It's back in cold, cold New York, but at the bottom of like a a, a bridge where uh, there's a body laying down and the, their paramedics there. And there's the conductor, the, the original friendly conductor, is like, I don't know what happened. He just screamed Willoughby and then he jumped off of the train. Yeah, and he's he's spooked because, I mean, he's known this guy. This is the, the you know, the friendly conductor. Yeah. And he's upset because this guy who he, you know, had a, had a decent enough, you know, working relationship, you know, um, is now dead in the snow. Yeah. Yeah. The really like the only friend he had probably, uh, is the, is the one to actually see this happen. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's kind of a depressing thought. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so they, they take Gart's body, they, they put it inside a, an ambulance, a, a hearse ambulance, and they close the door. And on the back of the door, it says Willoughby and son's, uh, funeral home. Yeah. And that is the episode. He escaped to Willoughby. <laughs> uh, all right, I did. <laughs> God, it got it got a little bit depressing there. At, it at gets the end. it gets dark. It, this is an extremely uh, tricky episode. Yeah, um, it's about very serious things. Um, tell me, tell me about it. Well, yeah, I mean, um, let, let, let's let's talk, and I'll turn my back to the camera. Let's talk. Yeah, turn turn away <laughs> from the camera. And light up a cigarette and, you know, don't listen to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, It's a really, uh, I think it's a really serious episode. Um, We do have something that ends up being a a suicide, right? Yeah. But as all suicides are, it's, it's a mystery and it is mysterious. And I think it's also a really good uh, perhaps even like a great myth for what can what can actually go wrong in in a life where uh, you've lost your zeal for things like your your marriage, your career, which I yeah. think happens to so many people. Yeah, um, it's it's these are prevalent problems, um, not just in 1960, 61, but today as well and probably always 
have been problems and probably always will be problems. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's about, um, it's about, uh, how, how, how do we deal with these, uh, when they, these problems, when they arise and also what can go wrong, um, when they arise, um, or, or, or if we don't recognize them, right. Or if we don't recognize them. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. My interest, I mean, I've got a lot of interest in um, psychology and specifically in Jungian psychology and post-Jungian psychology, which is focused so much on dreams and on fantasizing and on what comes up when you use your imagination mm-hmm. and, and um, what you can do in the living of your life at moments of crisis when uh, your imagination starts doing what it does, you know, certain images and and dreams come up from what they would call the unconscious. I think, I think what happens with Gart is that's so interesting. And I'm I'm glad that you talked about that scene where his wife is talk is, is sort of sitting there in the chair and Mm -hmm. he's opening up because that moment opens up what um, what they talk about a lot in Jungian psychology, and he starts to do something that is recommended by psychologists of that stripe, which is um, he starts amplifying the dream. Huh. So he has this. So he, I mean, we can agree, like he's dreaming, right, or he's fantasizing. I mean, he seems to be. He seems to have a nap, and then he's in Willoughby, right? Right. Right. So as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, you, you could you could make the case that yeah, he's he's actually is he's actually escaped to this place called Willoughby, right? Um, but you know, I'm kind of just it's it's a little bit more I'm a little more pessimistic when it when it comes to that in the sense that like I just think he he just he went to he went to a happy place inside his head, uh, and and killed himself, <laughs> right? Yeah, he just sure uh just accepted it and he's like okay, I'm I'm out of here. Sure. Sure. And I would say, I would say that's, that, uh, that's the direction toward which I lean in, in reading this. I mean, I think his problem is that he takes Willoughby literally. One of the things that you read about and that um, they talk about that psychologists who are, are so interested in dreams in this way talk about is um, you want the person who's had the dream to sort of open up about it. And the way you do that is you sit down and you say, okay, so tell me about, tell me about your dream. So what happens in that is that you're no longer, you're not having the dream, um, again, right? Um, there's no way, I mean, people talk about recurring dreams and all of that. And I believe that those happen. I've never had a recurring dream, but I know many people who have recurring dreams where it's always the same every time. But the fact is, is when you're awake, you're not going to just, I don't think, have the same dream over again. So the next best thing you can do is you can focus on the details of, of the dream that you recall. Yeah. Um, and they call this process amplification. They also, they might start with something called association, where they say, okay, let's look at the details on the dream and then let's associate them to things in your life day to day that's going on or whatever. That's sure. sort of a more of a personal um, more of a personal reading of of what the dream contents mean. 
But then if you if you sort of switch into this other mode where you amplify it, um, where you you take those bits and you start unpacking them almost like the little details of the dream start unpacking them almost like little packages. The dream gets bigger. It starts gaining some kind of conscious meaning because you're actively thinking about it and you're actively trying to figure it out and you're sharing it with someone else. And he begins to do this. He says, you know, it was like a courier in Ives painting um, when he's telling his wife. He's so He's associating that to a historical understanding of the way things used to be, you know, that he is he's come into contact with through these Courier and Ives paintings that were very popular. Um, and what happens or what you hope will happen when you amplify a dream like that and and you start giving it um, more space to sort of move around as you discuss it is that it gets connected then to an idea, to the sort of idea of some kind of universal aspect of dreams. And I would say in this case, talking about Willoughby, um, it's it's like an idyllic uh, place, right? right. Um, and by amplifying it to the point where he can identify it as an idyllic place. It kind of connects it to all the all the dreams people have ever had or expressed about idyllic places. It's like, okay, so you you're having a dream about an idyllic place. This is this is not a terribly uncommon thing in human experience, and that sort of that kind of move connects it then and connects the person dreaming it to a sense of like, oh, like I'm you not know, alone. I'm, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm still connected to life. Um, I'm still in the zone of of um, of where others have dreamed before, even though each dream is going to be unique, yeah. right? So, you know, it's you. something. They also say this kind of thing you can do too much of. You know, you can overthink something, you can overanalyze something, um, and uh, you can also over-identify with something. And um, Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist, would have would have called that over identification he would have called that inflation hmm. um to the point where um i think it's sort of the fate of gart williams um he literally jumps right into his metaphorical escape yeah that that has come up um so in that way the episode is like one of the these it, it's 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 using these metaphors the way myths do is sort of this warning about it about mortal the actual mortal danger of taking a metaphor literally um you can you can take a metaphor literally and and we we can all do this and it could very well kill us yeah um i so uh 16 millimeter shrine and a world of difference are are two other episodes that are like talk about kind of like a similar escapism right and and I, I, I always, I'm always kind of just generally tending to not be super, like I'm not comfortable with those endings, because I, I feel like they're just escaping from their real problems, right? They're, they're, they're escaping from the realities of their life, and they're like, no, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna escape. I'm gonna escape back into my past with nostalgia, or I'm gonna escape into this role that I, that I'm in. Um, 
And uh, and the thing I like about Willoughby is that I like about Willoughby is that it's actually showing us like the end of all those other stories too, right? A little bit like escaping isn't necessarily a good thing. Addressing the the problems and and working on them is is a better idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, um, as I was sort of reading around and, and, and preparing some things, uh, just in, in wrapping my head around, uh, around the, um, message of this, of this, uh, well, one of the messages of this episode, um, that's, that, that goes very much with, with some thoughts, um, <laughs> You know, um, th- those uh, depth psychologists who would recommend amplifying a-, a dream in such a way, you know, there's a responsibility that goes along with it in in the escape, actually reflecting on you've come up with what has bubbled up, mm-hmm. uh, and then selecting and choosing which parts of the of the dream you're going to carry forth with you almost as a, a, a meditation in order to address the difficulties that are before you. So, and that's not what Gart is able to do. Um, right. unfortunately, um, he's, he's not able to do it. Um, I myself am not particularly keen on this idea that all of our problems in life need to be solved by ourselves alone. Right. Um, you know, I think that's a bit of a, idea of individualism that's gone a bit haywire. Um, I I think there are moments where we need each other and where we help each other and all that. Gart is somebody who the only person uh, who's going to follow up on anything for him is the conductor on the commuter train on his his way home from work. Um, Gart's wife is incredibly cruel, Janie. um, And his boss as well is is not a nice guy. Gart Williams is running an awful deficit when it comes to support in his life. So um, he's so he identifies far too much with Willoughby uh, in a way that is unhealthy yeah. in, ter- in terms of continuing his life, in terms of um, in terms of staying alive. Um, if he had the support from his wife or his coworkers or his friends, he might be able to hold on to these naps about Willoughby and just sort of use them in a in a really helpful way going yeah. forward in terms of fixing his marriage or uh, you know I'd like to see him get out of it. Yeah. Um, or like, like, like who he wants to be and and what he wants right. to do. Right. Right. And, and to live because this is it. He wants to live a life in full measure. Right. Yeah. And he's not, um, but he's got this dream place um, that if he were able to, or if, if he had the proper support in his life, um, you know, he might not jump right into the dream. Yeah. Ag- agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, there's a, there's a little bit of, uh, about this episode that, that kind of, uh, especially with like with the wife and and the, the job, right? Uh, uh, disclaimer: Chelsea's wonderful. This isn't about her. <laughs> uh, and I'm not married, so you know, there's, there's no, there's yeah, I don't have a significant other. There's no lady in my life, so yeah, no. Um, uh, 
but so I have I have a a friend who is like in this really 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 awful relationship right now and some would say if they've if they knew him that he was in a uh an abusive relationship um and and so like watching this episode today and, and talking to you like that stuff kind of relates to me um in, in in the sense that like i need i need to be more than just the the conductor on the train to to my friend you know i need to be I need to be someone that he can latch onto uh, to keep him from going to Willoughby, essentially, right? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, um, and that's an interesting point of view that I hadn't. I mean, I've been I've been thinking so much about Gart. Uh, you're exactly right, um, and I mean, if if you're paying attention, you likely very well do know somebody. Uh, and you may, in fact, be close to somebody who is in uh, a, an abusive relationship, right. one, one which honestly is untenable. Um, and uh, um, I know I, I, I know I, um, I, I can relate there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's an interesting. Uh, you know, the responsibility, again, you're right. It can't exist solely with GART. There have to be, we have responsibilities for each other as well. Um, it's yeah. the huge, the huge question, you know, um, how does that responsibility play out? Um, uh, how, how can I be the best friend uh, in a situation like that? Uh, yeah. What is, what is asked of of me and then um what can i actually do to help yeah um, i i because I, I just imagine um just as a follow-up to the, the episode right if you know I, I know these are all standalone stories right and they're not really meant to to break off into the the epilogue uh but you know like like how does this affect that that conductor dude right he's like you know uh what it gets into that kind of um i won't say uh Vic, it's not victim, right? But just like where where is he? Where what is, is he? What, what's what's his what's his thought process at, at the end of it? Right? You can tell that at the end of the episode, he's you know he's not happy about it. He's kind of in a, like a morose place. Um, but you know, like he this, looks bewildered. Yeah, it, and and you know he doesn't have the privilege that we have as the audience. So he hasn't seen the scenes at home. Uh, with Janie, he hasn't seen the scenes in the conference room or in the office. Um, uh, he's left with this uh, likely unanswerable mystery. Yeah. Um, about what happened um, to a to a decent guy who rode on his on his line. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, yeah, what does happen to the conductor? He's affected. There's no yeah. doubting that. He's Clearly, deeply yeah. affected. Um, you know, he's presumably you'd think they'd stop the train or this out of the other. I mean, we, we don't see the train where it is or anything, but he's there in his conductor garb next to Gart's body. Um, yeah. You know, um, with a, a guy who might be a, an engineer or, or, you know. Yeah. And, and, and really, like, the last thing he knows about this will be will be place is that he looked it up and he couldn't find it anywhere and he couldn't find it and he so, couldn't so, yeah and all of a sudden he's like this guy 
my, this guy yells Willoughby and then jumps off the train. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and then we don't get a reaction shot if to see if the conductor sees the name of the hearse, you know, that's on the... We don't get a shot that shows us that he saw the, yeah. the name. So we, it, the camera just pans up into the dark sky at, at that point. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't know if he... Um, we don't know. We're left yeah. to wonder. But if he saw that, it would blow his mind. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and, and, he might, and well, and he might think it was a very deliberate thing. Then, um, yeah. Uh, when when we know it's an unconscious thing, right? As the audience, again, this is the problem of of, um, and it's a strange situation because you're dealing with characters in a story, and then we're real people in the audience, you know, and all sure, that. Yeah us knowing more than than what the characters know but i mean if he saw that he would put two and two together and he would say ah it was an intentional suicide um you know uh, and he'd and and he'd still be left with all every question that comes with that um yeah so i i you know that whole point that final thing that that closing of the trunk door and uh and the name of the funeral parlor and all that there's a way you can read that that takes that i think reduces willoughby a stop at willoughby to a very fatalistic reading which is that you could very well say okay so gart took this commuter line home whatever he was probably looking out the window and at some point saw the sign for willoughby funeral home and then um it 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 bubbled up in his unconscious in the unconscious as this place called willoughby and it was what they would call a death wish like he had a death wish this is it he wanted to die and and um and as i i find that a really uh reductive reading um i think there's a way to turn it into more of a constructive reading though with that in mind um and and that is if, if in fact we we think, oh, you know, yeah, maybe that's what happened. If we're going to try to rationalize it, yeah. If we're going to try to rationalize it, um, and even if we don't try to rationalize it, we don't even have to go that far. We know that there's this bizarre coincidence, right? Willoughby yeah. and Willoughby funeral home. So, I would say the constructive way of thinking about it is, um, you know, the there's another psychologist, James Hillman, who studied under Jung, and I like him a lot. I talked about him before. Um, he uh, he had a book called Suicide and the Soul, um, and then uh, he sort of jumped on this problem um, in his own way, and um, he felt that sometimes the suicidal urge uh, is. Um, Sometimes it's founded, uh, but hmm. not not in a literal, not necessarily in a literal sense. If you look at Gart Williams' life, and you look at his marriage, and then you look at the job that he's got, his career, both of them are going to destroy him. Physically, he's got an ulcer. There are many times in the episode where he grabs yeah. his stomach, and he's got right. so he's it is affecting his spirit and his body. Um, under those circumstances, those parts of his life need to be killed. Um, the, the marriage has to go. 
and the career has to go. And those are both, in a certain light, suicidal uh, decisions. But they don't have to be a literal suicide. Right. right. They don't have to be one of of the soul and body um, on the on the forever exit. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, if if Hillman would say if you can get to a point. Uh, with somebody where in this situation where they can understand the metaphor of suicide versus the literal reality of suicide, they have a better chance of killing those parts of the life that need to end. Hmm. And they have a better chance then too of uh, growing into something new, which is healthy, which would be a life lived in full measure. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think it's interesting that, you know, uh, we we get that song at the end. Uh, last time we we're in Willoughby, the bandstand they're playing "Beautiful Dreamer" right. um, by Stephen Foster, who he himself died when he was. The legend is that he died when he was 38, the same age as Gart Williams, mm-hmm. and he had 38 cents in his pocket um, when he died. And he'd written all these like great songs in the in the 1800s, and um, and had this very mysterious, bizarre death. Um, and that song, supposedly beautiful dreamer was the last song he ever wrote. And it was, it was published after his death, you know, so it kind of fits in with Gart Williams and, and, you know, and the song itself, beautiful dreamer is, you know, wondering, are they talking, is he talking about a woman who is asleep and he's waiting for her to wake up or is, is she a woman who's died? You can't tell. It's kind of ambiguous song as well. When we see, Gart. I mean, the strange thing too. Another unsettling thing, I think, is when we see Gart dead. He's in the snow, but he's not mangled, and he's not. He doesn't. He he's not there anymore. He's dead, but he um, he seems like he's kind of at peace, yeah. as, which is a very unsettling thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, to say I, the least. Yeah, because. If he, if he jumped off of a train, uh, and then and then landed, um, like you you would imagine, like he wouldn't be like he wouldn't have a a, a look of contentment on his face, right, right. He would he would have the look of um, mangled, mangled. Well, yeah, he would have the look you know, of mangled. Be, he would have the look of mangled. You'd expect him to be agony, in agony, possibly agony. Yeah, when yeah. actually, uh, you know, we've seen him in agony. We've seen him. In agony in um, in the workplace, uh, at home, and then uh, it's always in these moments related to Willoughby we see him serene. Um, yeah, you, you know, uh, um, I'm reminded of a story from a couple years back, and it was this um, it was a fairly fairly well known writer. Okay, um, and I I don't remember the name of it, and this is just off the top of my head. But there's a, a fairly well-known writer who is, he's maybe like 54, 50, mid-50s. Um, he didn't have a wife. He didn't have, he didn't have children. He didn't really have any uh, family. Um, but uh, so he, he killed himself. And, and he wrote this very, very long. He like made a website and everything for him killing himself. And he's just basically like, I'm not sad. I'm not depressed. I'm not any of these things. I just feel like I want to go out on my own terms. And... Um, and so he did, he went out on his own terms. And, and for me, like that's, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that aspect of, of him wanting to, you know, he's, his life is over. He's, he's okay with having his life be over at this point in time. 
And in a way, I think I feel like that's how Gart may have been at the end of this, and it relates to his the serene look on his face at the end is you know he's he wants to be who he is he's going out on his own terms he's not going out on his bosses uh push 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 he's not going out on his wife's he's going out in Gart's way yeah yeah i mean i mean he um he's he's um he's found his way out from the things that were destroying him um and and you're right. It is. It's on his terms. In a certain way, um, I mean, what's what's what kind of what what kind of what we we see what he's made of in a way. Um, you know, if if he just stayed, and a lot of people do. A lot of people stay in in abusive relationships for any number of reasons. You know, um, it, it, it's it's got to be an extremely difficult situation. Um, and, and even careers as well. Um, uh, they stay for this reason or that reason or the other when they could be leading another life that, uh, is better suited to who they actually are. Um, and, and what actually makes them feel alive, a life lived in full measure and all that. I mean, I think that's what a lot of us are really looking for is a life lived in full measure. I think the definition of that is different for everybody. Sure. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, society uh, can make you think it's made of X, Y, and Z. You go on and discover, no, actually it's, you know, like, you know, P, Q, R. Um, (laughs) And and then... And then, uh, then maybe an I. In there. Yeah, maybe an I. Yeah, the maybe they're not even together. So yeah, numbers, you know, <laughs> maybe a multiplication symbol. Um, right, like you know, a winky face. Yeah, um, em- emojis maybe in there as well. <laughs> That's what yeah. life's really made of. Exactly. Um, he, he, gets, he gets what he imagines a life in full measure would be. Right. Uh, and um, we, don't know, we don't know if that ends when he dies. Um, yeah. Is he in Willoughby the, the, the or after he just Twilight dead? Zone? The after Twilight Zone. The after <laughs> yeah. Twilight Zone. The dawn. The dawn the, zone. The dawn zone. Yeah, the dawn zone. <laughs> it is there. Is Gart Williams right now in Willoughby in the dawn zone? Right, and, he, he, and he's probably don't getting. Ber- he's if if he is, he's probably getting berated by. Oh jeez, yeah, by geez. people left and right. Yeah, it, like yeah. those kids. Those, those kids, kids are like. You idiot! You can't catch any fish. Yeah, you did. Stop hogging all the fish. Push, Gart. push, 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 push. Wrong, <laughs> wrong lure, Gart. Push, push, push. And then it zooms on a fish, and like the fish's mouth is opening. It's like push, push, push. <laughs> yeah, just, push, 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 Gart. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, oh god, I need to jump off another train. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, hey, man. So, so. I, we we talked we talked a while, but I need to know. This is important. Yeah. What is your what is your overall rating? Overall rating for this yeah. one is tops out my rating scale five hedgehogs. Um, that's <laughs> that's it. There's it's five it's five perfect pristine polished golden gilded gold leafed hedgehogs. So delightful. <laughs> yes. I mean, what what about yourself? Where do where does Willoughby sit with you? Um, I, I know this is I know this is a big episode for a lot for a lot of people. 
Um, <laughs> but it, it sucks. <laughs> but it sucks. So uh, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go off of uh, <laughs> my real feelings. And I'm gonna give it a zero hedgehogs. <laughs> uh, no, I I've got to go with your scale. Um, I would give I would give it four 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 adult hedgehogs and then then a hedgehog on the way. Oh, that's adorable. I, I don't know. I don't know how hedgehogs. They're well. They're mammals, so they have yeah. Them they're in, mammals. In yeah, their they're, bellies. They're placentals. Okay. Um, I don't know what. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> placentals. <laughs> placentals. I, I think that's. I think that's the age bracket between 2002 <laughs> and 2016. The placentals. The placental generation. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No. So I'll give it. I'll give it four. Four and a and a baby on the way. And a baby on the way. That's adorable. Yeah. That's that's great. <laughs> Um, it really, I mean, it reminds me of, of life, you know, this episode laughing stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a very respectable score. You yeah. know, I would I mean, say it's, it's, it's a, it's a good episode. It leaves me depressed at the end. Um, yeah. See, that's why I love it. Yeah. I'm just all like, yes, give me the dark, <laughs> bring me the darkness. Yes. I want show, to... me, show me his bloodied corpse on exactly. the side of the, the track. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Kylo Ren would be all over this episode. Oh yeah. Still just, like just thrashing everything. Show me a stop it will be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't want to feel happy. I don't want to feel happy. <laughs> give, give me some my bloody Valentine. <laughs> exactly. Or my chemical romance. <laughs> exactly. Um. All right, man. Well, well. Thank you. Thank you so much for for yeah. joining for joining me today yeah um, absolutely. thank you brandon is it is, is we've talked about it before but is there any way folks can check out some more of your stuff um yeah i mean uh let's see on twitter my twitter handle is at ellerhoff which is e-l-l-e-r-h-o-f-f mm-hmm. and then um my silly long name all spelled out is uh my website just steve Gronert, ellerhoff.net but the, the easy way to get there is probably through my twitter or, or instagram or whatever you know i'm hooked up these days with the kids you know yeah the the webernets the webernets yeah the inter- push, the inter- push, push 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 the inter- <laughs> hashtag it's all, it's all self-promotion push 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 <laughs> oh god Get out of here, fat boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What did you say? <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, Gart did get his job back. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's right. No, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, which uh, it's just a real quick aside, but he said parenthetic, and I liked that, that word. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he does say He also called the men solicitous. Yes. Um, so, which was a great use of solicitous. There's some um, good words in this episode. There were. And also, you know, for how miserable Mr. Miserable is, he does say that very – there's one thing he says when he's on that phone call the second time. He says he's, like, trying to encourage – he's actually trying to encourage Gart in his own way that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, he's saying, you know, aspire, dream big, and then get behind it. Push, push, push. That idea, dreaming, dreaming all through yeah. this episode and Mr. Miserable urging him to dream, that in itself is something to ponder. Uh, that's a good that's a good note to end on there we are well well well, thank you again steve for leaving us with that excellent note and thank you for having me again it's been great no no problem no problem at all
Uh, for everybody else out there, uh, there are a few ways you can get a hold of me. I'm on Twitter, hashtag obvi, hashtag all day, every day, hashtag at S4YA podcast, underscore podcast <laughs> on Instagram at S or S4YA underscore podcast. Email me up on Gmail, S4YA at podcast at gmail.com. I am on iTunes. I am on Stitcher. Uh, I want to s- throw a special shout out uh, to Steve, who's taking a selfie of us right now. Also, a uh, couple cu- got a got a couple reviews out there. Uh, I want I want to say thank you so much for those who gave me a good review. Uh, you guys are awesome, and everybody I talk to on Twitter, uh, here, there, and everywhere, you guys are great. Thank you so much for your time and and uh, interaction. Uh, but until next time, I am Brandon Cruz. Thanks again, Steve. Thank you, Brandon. S- selfie, Steve. <laughs> and until next time this is submitted for your approval 